Yes. How you been? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I mean, you know, it's a Monday, but for a Monday, it wasn't bad. But you know what that means? That means that I'm going to probably have a Monday on a Tuesday. Well, you know, they say uh, statistically more people die of strokes and heart attacks on Tuesday than any other day of the week. Really? Yep. This is true. Crap. This is true. And it comes from the idea that people come out of, come off of a weekend and they go to work and they really don't do much because they're tired or whatever and just lack of motivation. And so they put it off till Tuesday and it piles up on them and the stress hits on Tuesday. Oh, you know, so. now that you mentioned that, I can see that, especially because you go into Monday and you're like, your ears are pinned back and you're just trying to get through it. Mm -hmm. I could see all that, you know, coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Things you don't get done on Monday. Yeah. You got that on Tuesday and you're closer to the end of the week and mm -hmm. yeah. Well, no. So as far as as far as today's been, it's been not bad at all. Good. And the weather was man, good, super nice. Did you have a good weekend? Um, let me think. I kind of got myself in the doghouse. Okay. Um, let's just say that if you're eating a bag of chips, and your significant other, let's just say a female and or very effeminate male partner, okay. Uh, comes and starts eating those chips and eventually sneaks the bag away somehow, just let them go. Don't make comments about said bag of chips in a passive-aggressive way. Oh, I see what you did there. Because it has the ability to destroy your Saturday. <laughs> you probably should have me on more of like a immediate speed dial to ask questions about things like that. Yeah. Because I could have I helped you get out of that one. It'd be really nice if I had a phone a friend mm -hmm. in that moment. Like, I, as I am I about to speak, I, like, can pause reality and call you and go, hey, so here's the deal. She took my bag of chips. Now, she buys all the groceries, but she took the bag that I claim is mine and walked away with it. And here's what I'm planning to say. How is this going to go over? Should I say A, <laughs> give options? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, probably it would be like, this is what I'm going to go with. Am I going to get annihilated or is this going to turn out okay? You're going to be destroyed. Right. You're going to be destroyed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you actually have that because you can call me anytime. That's what I need to do from now on before I speak. So I'm, I'm like, uh, you remember that movie, Alice in Wonderland? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alice says in there, and this is one of the things that I've kind of held on to, you know, personally. Um, she says something to the effect of, I always give good advice, but I seldom ever follow it. Mm -hmm. So I'm really good at telling people what to do and what not to do, yeah. but I'm terrible at implementing it in my life. So maybe that's the key, though. Maybe the key is is strength in numbers or wisdom in numbers. Yep. Because I can tell yep. you, as a man alone, I'm a complete moron. Oh, well, we all are. <laughs> we all are. 
You were in good company, my friend. I'm fighting an enemy that has, you oh. know, oh. I'm not even sure where to hit or. Uh, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. You get in trouble for hitting. Yes. That's, that's, the, that's the other part. Yes. Yeah. Gone are the days. Mm. I heard you. I heard it. I heard it. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to implicate myself in it. I laid it out there, but you, did. you didn't. You, you didn't. Did. You softballed it up, and I. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I can honestly say, because I'm, you know, I'm I'm a middle aged man now. I've probably got less years on the back end than I've already. Is that passed. right? Middle aged? Yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make it to ninety. Let's just be honest. I know, but you would consider yourself middle aged because you don't know because you don't know how long you may live to be one hundred and eighty three years old. I'm shooting for about eighty. My guess is I'm probably going to get more like seventy. Oh my gosh, you're a glutton for punishment. Yeah, I want to live past sixty. But if that's the case, then I'm already over the hill. I'm on the way down. I know, but is that what like society would call middle aged? I don't. Yeah, what like, does society call middle aged? That's a good question. Uh, for for our three listeners now, because we've added one apparently. Did we? Uh, it seems like it. Huh. But for our third listener there, uh, if you know what middle age is supposed to mean, please, you know. Yeah, let us know. Whippingboys at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. Send that answer in. That's it. Okay. That's it. But I feel like I'm probably middle aged because uh, I'm in the middle, the other side of the middle, mm-hmm. going down the hill. Yeah. But even at this age, there are things that I say that it's like a roll of the dice. It seems so innocent and playful and then i throw it out there and it turns out to be hiroshima and nagasaki oh yeah yeah well you're you're definitely dropping the bomb dropping the bomb yeah i've now poisoned my water supply and uh you know the uranium is is uh is slowly killing me got that heavy water yes got that heavy water so that's what i did saturday right about lunchtime okay Oh, you did that early? Yes. Oh, okay. That's another right. important point. Yeah. Is yeah. if you're going to destroy your day, wait till at least around bedtime. Get it over with. First thing in the morning. <laughs> First thing in the morning. Yeah. Let everybody know where you stand. But the good news is, because I was basically in the doghouse, I got a lot of things done outside of the house. Okay. Yeah. Winterized all of my gasoline motors. Check you out. Yeah, I got, got some stabilizer uh, in those. You disgust me. Ran them for five minutes each just to let them feel good. So you feel good. Yeah, that's it. So you can feel that bzzz. You like it? That vibration in your hand? I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's manly. Now I don't think I'm going to want to crank it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. You say you don't want to now, but you will. See, the things you're saying are making me question... My heterosexuality. Are they? Yes. I've been trying to do this for years. <laughs> Branson, have you ever questioned yourself? Have I? Have I? Probably. Probably. Well, I mean, what, what, what constitutes questioning yourself? That's a good question because I've honestly never done it. But I hear that there are people that, you know, at some point kind of, they kind of ponder Okay, well, let me ask you this. Can, can, you, can you, in good conscience, and continue to feel good about yourself as a person, honestly say that another man is attractive? Not necessarily attractive to you. Yeah. Not, not, not I'm attracted to that man. Right. But can you admit to yourself that that's an attractive man? 
I think I can. You yeah. could you, you could substitute any word for it. Attractive, sure. handsome, good looking. A whatever. man's man. Hey, you could do that. Yeah. yeah, you could do that. If that does that does that border on I don't, homosexuality? I, honestly, I don't know. We need to we need to get some gay friends on the show and do ask we? Them. Okay. You have so many of them. Do I? <laughs> you didn't know. I didn't know. I don't. I, I try not to see. That. Now it reminds me. It reminds me of the office, where uh, what uh, Andy's character is struggling because he thinks he might. He might be, but yeah. he wants to know for sure. And so he goes to Jim and he says, "You know, how do I figure this out?" Jim says, "Well, that's easy. You go and you have sex with a woman, and then and and, and Andy's face. He's like, I can do that. You know, like yeah. goes, sure. And then he's like, and then go have sex with a man." And he was like, ooh. And he's like, so would you be willing to take that bullet? No, absolutely not. No, no, no. No, I don't know that I've ever, um, I don't know that I've ever questioned my heterosexuality. Although I did have, I did have an experience one time where I was in the shower and I was, you know, getting all good and scrubbed up or whatever. And I started scrubbing my butt Mm -hmm. and it was like, it felt good. I mean, there was there was like a sensation there, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is wow, this is really nice." And I was scrubbing, scrubbing, scrubbing. I probably scrubbed a little too long uh, to make our audience, you know, uncomfortable. To tell that you're um, making me uncomfortable, Emma. And I scrubbed a little longer than I probably should have, and I and I stopped, and I thought maybe I'm gay. Well, then it turns out I just had like a bad rash, and it all made sense uh, then. So I don't think I am. Yeah. I've heard that it's the it's the hemorrhoid paradox. It was something like that. It's like, are know. you are you itching back there because of the hemorrhoid, or are you itching back there because it feels? Well, like see, it? I, I hadn't experienced any itching or burning or anything, so I didn't know there was a rash back there. But right. when I start, I guess I irritated it and then to yeah. scrub it, you know, made it feel it's better. Like poison ivy, and I couldn't use. I couldn't distinguish between you know. Bless your heart. Yeah. What a trying time. Some sort of you know skin rash or you know. Sexual feelings. I couldn't. I couldn't distinguish because I'd never experienced the other. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like uh, who was it? Was it Rodney Carrington that talked about you know getting your prostate checked, which which I'm right around the corner from. Right. Yeah. And he talks about. He says, you know, you. He says, once you've had a finger in your butt, you've always had a finger in your butt. And if someone asks you if you've ever had a homosexual experience, you can't say no. You can't say no. And he said, take that. Take that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Really good. No, but he said, take that, basically that scenario, and mm-hmm. put it in any other setting outside of a doctor's office. It is just wrong. You can't do it. Put it in a hotel room. Put it in a grocery store. It doesn't matter where you put it. If it's not happening in a doctor's office, it's, yeah. What was that? I heard, it, heard a joke one time, and a guy goes to the... Uh, he goes to the proctologist, and he walks in, and the, and the uh, proctologist says, all right, I need you to, you know, take your pants off. And he says, he starts unbuckling his belt and, you know, gets his pants down, and he said, where should I lay them? And he said, just lay them over there across that chair. That's where I'm going to put mine. Oh, gosh. So. Woo. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Sorry. I'm here all week, folks. I'm here all week. Great job. Great job. You nailed it. Joke of the day right there. How long have you been planning to tell that joke in here? Uh, I heard it a long time ago. I think my grandfather or father told that. And um, I've been just, I filed it away for the perfect time. 
Figured this. You nailed it, right? I think our producer agrees. That's the way I figured it would come out. Yeah. Sheesh, Mixer, you gotta be so harsh. Easy. (laughs) Take it easy. Easy. I have feelings. (laughs) I'm bombing up here. Yeah. No, uh, good times. Nothing like uh, questioning your heterosexuality to get get a Monday going. Oh yeah, that's the way I that's the way I question every that's the way I start every Monday questioning. So, so you and I were talking before we came in the in the studio here uh, about the Braves winning the World Series. Los Bravos. And you know, used to back in the day, we would have probably watched that. Yeah. This time, neither one of us caught it. No. Nope. Because life happens. Right there's a thousand other things going on. Well, this year is more of you know there was there was the element of life happens, but society has happened. Yeah, and I'm just um, just not kind of fed up. Not as uh, not as turned on by it as I used to be. Yeah. Well, so thinking about that, it brought up a discussion some years ago that you and I had. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of late at night. It was. We were in a hotel room. Uh, in the most heterosexual way possible. Yes. Separate beds, of course. Right? There were two beds. Yes, there were two beds. Yes. And you were in one and I was in the other. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what we'll tell everybody. (laughs) And I don't remember if we were watching baseball. We were. It was was the middle of, I don't remember what year it was, but uh, it was in the middle of the, uh, uh, it was the American League Championship Series, the ALCS. Mm -hmm. And I was really into it that year. Yeah, and and I, I did what I normally do in those circumstances, and yep. I ruined the moment. You take something that someone loves very dearly, and you shit on it. Is what you do. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what. It's pretty much what you did that day. So yeah, you cleaned that up rather nicely. Um, so for those of you that are listening, and you're asking yourself, what could I have done to ruin such an experience? Uh, Basically, I and I was just expressing an opinion, a rather unpopular one at the time, mm-hmm. that I thought baseball could be more exciting. Because you, Branson, have a lot of experience with baseball. You coached it. You played it a lot more, right? I played a little bit like Morning League and sure. DC Youth and, sure. you know, maybe a little Dixie Boys. But watching it for me is... You know, it's not the most exciting thing. Sure. Right? And for a lot of people, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Like UFC, yeah, because I, I see what they're oh, doing. Yeah. But in baseball, I don't get all the stratagem. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, well, and I think some of the suggestions I made, if I can remember a couple, one was having two pitchers. One was two pitchers. Yeah, that was uh, that was the worst one you made. I, I, that was the one I took most offense to. The other was moving the pitching mound back. Mm-hmm. Like another ten or fifteen feet, right? <laughs> like you're lobbing it, and so that by the time by the time the ball gets there, there's hardly anything on it. Yeah, it's so, it's softball at that point. Yes, yeah. and you're just going yard on anything that gets mm. anywhere, <laughs> anything close. <laughs> Swing away, yeah. And so I made a couple of these comments, and uh, for those of you out here, just just know that I could literally see his blood boiling like if you see in the cartoons where the steam comes out of the ears the ears yep that's yep. where you were yep i was uh i was i was at a, a mad yosemite sam level yeah that's where i was at so. yeah yep. 
And unfortunately, I'd like to say that that would make me, uh, you know, become more magnanimous and compassionate. No, they just fueled the fire. It just, it created It just fueled the fire. He saw a crack, he saw a weakness, and he exploited said crack and weakness. Yes, yes. And it got worse. No, but here's the thing, and I, and, and I did. It, it was, uh, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny that you, you know, making fun of baseball. I did think it was funny, and your your suggestions were were funny. They really were. Um, but you know, there it's been my it's been my experience that there are there are you know two types of people in the world, right, or in America or wherever. And there are people who just really really love baseball. Well, let me back up. There's there's there there are people who love baseball. There's people who just hate the game of baseball, right. and then there's people who are just kind of indifferent in the middle, and they just yeah. really don't care, right? Yeah. But the people who love baseball, they love it for a thousand different reasons. The the just you know the beauty of the game, you know the simplicity of the game, but the complexity of the game. It's all it's a multifaceted game. You know, it's just something that's you know you can you. People who love that game love to hang on to the purity of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And not have it twisted and tweaked and, you know. And it's one of those things that the game is uniform, but it's different from place to place. And uh, it's just, there's just a, a beauty there. And I guess a baseball purist is what that would be. Yes. And then there's people who just hate it and go, you know, I wish it would just die. There's no reason for it. It's boring. It's stupid or whatever. And there's people who just really don't care, I yeah. guess you could say. And, um, and those people that really love the game – they really take offense to mm-hmm. changing it in any way, and it, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's not like a you know. You said those things, and they were very hurtful. <laughs> they stung a right. lot. Yeah, you know, right here, right here in my heart. Yeah, to think that you know my good friend could say such horrible, horrible things that night. But uh, but no, I get it. I understand that. But baseball is a beautiful game, and those that don't get it don't get it, and that's fine. Yeah. But. Well, the truth is I enjoy its simplicity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy it a lot more in person because I enjoy that feeling, that excitement in the park. Oh, sure. Um, watching it on and, – and I'm that way with a lot of sports. Watching things on TV mm-hmm. uh, to me is not near as exciting as actually being. Oh, you're right. You're you know, exactly right. Yeah. But needless Play, to say, playing is the most, you know, for me, sure, playing yeah, is the most exciting. One. And then being there watching somebody, you know, in person and then watching on TV is definitely, uh, you know, yeah. like I say, I just, uh, I just love baseball. I love, I love the, you know, the, the, the majesty of the game. I just, you know, I just love it. Well, for those of you that uh, might come across Branson's path, be gentle when it comes to baseball. Just take it easy or you might get stabbed. Alright, well I think that's a perfect place to take a little break Uh, You alright with that? Let's take a break Alright, and then we're coming right back I'm a little concerned because You know When the cat gets over in the closet Making those kinds of noises I know I'm going to find something later your house oh my gosh we're recording oh shoot okay so anyway welcome back so we're in the kitten palace i mean the studio hey you big cats and kittens <laughs> <laughs> you ca- such a carol baskin did you hear they're doing a 
I heard they're doing a uh, Tiger King 2 Netflix. Did you hear this? I did hear this. Yeah. I've never seen Tiger King 1. Did you never watch Tiger King? No. I heard it got kind of depressing towards the end. You're one of the lucky. Yeah, it it did get depressing. Twisted. Weird. Really? Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's like the, uh, you know, the old train wreck thing. It's, you know, you know you shouldn't stare. But you can't look away. You can't look away. You have to watch. Yeah. And it was only like, what, seven episodes or something like that. It was a short thing, but they were, you know, long episodes. But they just draw you in and you're like, oh my gosh, these people are horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's one of the things about those kinds of shows is it definitely makes you feel a little better yeah. about where you are. Oh, it definitely makes you feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least you're not that. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You, you talk about this, but I was reading an article here a couple weeks ago, um, and it was talking about the illustrious Dr. Fauci. Oh, yeah. And apparently one of the news organizations who... One of the greatest world leaders. Yeah, who who sit at his feet and adore him did an expose... Not an expose. They did a a, a special on Dr. Fauci. Because he deserves it. Who is this Dr. Fauci? Oh, I love him. Yes. He's the best. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently they do this special with him where they go in his home and they're, they're trying to really learn what he's like because he's just so amazing. Was this MTV's Cribs? <laughs> Was it? See how Dr. Fauci lives? Yeah, he's he's, he's a high roller. Uh, you know, here's his Bugattis. And, Bowling. Yeah, no, but basically just trying to get to know him on a personal, uh, you know, level. I don't know why anybody would want to do that. Seriously, because, I mean, I'll be honest, just watching two minutes of this guy, and I'm thinking, I know more about you now than I've ever wanted to know about you. Oh, yeah. Or ever will again. Mm-hmm. But during this special, kind of inadvertently, there's a moment where they show him in his study at his desk. Okay. And above his desk is a big personalized painting of himself. He's got a portrait of himself in his study? Yes. Over his desk? That he looks at. That is a focal point in the room. And I'm just saying. What kind of nut job do you have to be to have that in your house? I don't know. Okay. Now, here's the funny thing, okay, because I'm a bit of a hypocrite. Did it have a mask on? No, no mask. Oh, see. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have had me if it had a mask on. No, no mask. But you could tell this thing had been touched up, right? It was like back before the days of Photoshop where you give the you give mm-hmm. the uh, the artist a little extra cheddar yep. and say, look, you know, just make me look good. Trim that nose down a little. Make those cheekbones a little yeah, higher. Make my eyes look a little bigger so they don't look Put like a splash of rouge. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the writer that's writing about this. Take says, some of the salt out of my salt and pepper hair. Right. Yeah. Something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remove some of the pock marks and acne scars. Those bags under my eyes, can you do something about those? Yeah, yeah, for real. I love it. But the author that's writing about this said, we all knew that Fauci was like a megalomaniac, mm-hmm. just narcissist. And I, and I have heard that. Yes. But to see him with that painting above himself. Oh, that's gross. That he looks up to. That is gross. It is. It's kind of like, dude, it's like you got porn in there. <sighs> he's, he's a... I, he's a piece of work. I mean, I I just I didn't know a whole lot about him before this uh, before this quote pandemic hit. Yeah, um, and I've just not been impressed with anything he's ever done. And to yeah. find this out, 
Well, and here's what's funny. So uh, this guy also mentions that there's a, uh, if you look at a list, because Fauci's been doing this a long time, what he's doing. If you look at a list of things that he's predicted or said over the past like 40 years, starting with like AIDS and all these other things. Oh, yeah. He is a bonehead. Oh, yeah. And it turns out he's wrong a lot more than he's right. Um, and, you know, in most professions, that would mean you're a failure. Oh, absolutely it is. You know, if, if the things I fixed worked 30% of the time, I wouldn't have a job. Unless you were playing baseball. Ooh. Then you're in the Hall of Fame. Well, I don't know this baseball stuff. <laughs> 30% of the time. It works every time. Over a career. Get you in the Hall of Fame. Well, true. But most professions, I would think. Right, you're right. You know what I mean? Oh, 30%. It's like if yeah. you're a surgeon. 30% accuracy? Yeah, you're done 70% after. 70% oh, of the people yeah. die on your operating yes. table? Yes. I think I'm going to find another surgeon. Yep. And well, in the financial world, if, if 30% of the investments are successful and 70% fail, yeah. yeah, you're done. You're a gambler. Yep. You win 30% of the time. You ain't going to be a gambler very That's long. It. That's it. That's it. So... This this is kind of what the guy points out. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, because he's on TV and because we give him so much airtime, it increases his his you know importance. Uh, without us really doing any, we just it's like, hey, he was appointed to this, so obviously we need to listen to him. Yeah, and maybe we need to do a little do a little better job of researching some of this stuff. Before we take them at face value, oh, I don't. I don't believe anything. Anytime anybody gets in, in the in politics, I truly believe you have to have. And this, there are some exceptions out there. I will, I will, I will, as a disclaimer, I'll throw that out there. There are some some people who get into politics for the right thing, but as a whole, on a whole, on the whole, if you uh, have any desire to get into politics, especially on a on a national level. You've got something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. You you seriously have something, some sort of issue in your life that needs to be worked out. I could see that. I I, I think it's either that if you're just shooting for that to start with, mm-hmm. or the system is so corrupted yeah. that if you sit in it long, right, you become a part of the problem. Oh, you definitely do. Yeah. Oh, and and that's why that's why I threw out the uh, the disclaimer. There are those who get into Public office get into you know being a being a quote public servant sure. for the right reasons because they want to help. But the reality is is the system is so messed up yeah. that you can't do that. You can't come out. No one person. Rose. Yeah, one, no one person can go in and enact change against everybody else. I mean, you know, just just think about our our federal legislature. I mean, roughly four hundred and thirty five. That number's changed a little bit in the last year or so. Roughly four hundred and thirty five. Congressman in Washington, a hundred senators, to be able to go into that large of a body of men and women who are as a, as corrupt as they are, and try to enact change, you're just gonna you're you're either gonna you're, you're either going to uh, be be run out of town, or you'll have to join in and yeah, you know it. figure out a way to do it. Well, and the problem is, is in a system like that, once you compromise once, oh, that's you're it. Done. You're done. It's all downhill from there. That's what I've said. You've got there's got to be something wrong with you, and it's not like people, it's not like people go into public office uh, with this, with this uh, uh, the idea that 
they don't know what's going on up there. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're informed at all, you know what's going on. Well, I do think that there's a type of person that <clears throat> seeks that out. Sure. Um, now, I've met some people who were really good people that wanted to affect change. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you know, you, it's like Shawshank Redemption. You bust that sewer pipe open mm-hmm. and you crawl through, I forget how many feet of crap-smelling fowl, uh, you're covered in it. You're not, it. you're not going to come out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, clean. you're not. Mm-mm. Unfortunately. That's it. You had to get in and waller around in it. And, and Fauci... He came up through a different side of it, mm-hmm. but in becoming a public figure, it, a very political figure. Uh, well, that's that's the thing. Sometimes that's even worse. Yeah, that's even worse because who do you, who does uh well let's let's say um you, you pick a pick a congressman or pick a senator, who do they have to answer to? Ultimately, whether it matters to them or not, they have to answer to their constituents. They have to answer to people back in their home state who they supposedly represent that that's mm-hmm. the idea that's what's supposed to be who does Fauci have to answer to yeah nobody his picture in his office he can do whatever he wants to he can say anything he wants to as long as the sitting president the sitting regime up there mm-hmm. wants to keep him around yeah then he's there he's got nobody to answer to so you can t- you can make bonehead comments you can do you can be you know the biggest hypocrite in the world and just walk out in public and just be yourself, and it doesn't matter because you've got nobody to answer to. Well, it's funny because uh, for for our listeners, you you may be unaware, but I actually attended law school for a very short period of time. It was a glorious time. It was, uh, but I realized my uh, nature of being just completely corruptible was pre- it was probably not a good idea. <laughs> But I did, and I love to learn. And the truth is, if I could learn for free, I would still be a student. Right. But that was one of the things I learned about our legal system. Is I remember asking one of my professors, because we would talk about things, and we would look at these cases. And once you start reading enough cases, you start to realize that the law is completely subjective. There's no consistency. And you can cite precedents all you want. But nowadays, a judge can throw out precedents and say, you know what, precedents is wrong. And this is what we're going with. That's it. I'll give you an example, and this kind of hits home for you because we just talked about baseball. Okay? Mm-hmm. There was a case about Barry Bonds at the end of his career. He's right. over, like, what, 500 home runs? Right. And the 500 home run ball was worth millions. The 501st yeah. was worth millions. And I think this was, like, the 503rd ball that was hit. Mm-hmm. And it was the rule in the park for for fly for fly balls that you catch or home runs that you catch. Do you know what the rule is? Mm-hmm. What what would you think it would be? It's pretty commonsensical. For who gets that ball? Whoever catches it. Whoever catches it. Whoever comes down with right, it. Right. 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 Yeah. Even if it rolls out on the ground and you get it once it's in your hand and you got right. it, that's it's yours. Yeah. And if somebody fights to take it away from you, well, that that's something different. We're out in San Francisco, whoever fishes it out of the water, right, because it winds up in the bay. So in this case, uh, there was a guy who went up to catch the ball. It was in his glove for a moment. He lands, and there, of course, there's thirty people around him that were trying to get this ball. And somewhere in landing, the ball pops out. Mm-hmm. 
and it hits the ground. He thinks it's in his glove. Somebody looking around, you know, grabs it. Yeah. And makes off with this ball. So you would think that would be the end of the story because it's, hey, that's the park rules. Right. But this guy with the glove decides to get a lawyer and sue the one who ended up with the ball. And you would think, okay, this is going to get thrown out so fast. There's not a sitting judge who wants to hear this. But here's the problem. It's a high-profile case because it's Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. It's in California. It's going to garner national attention. And so the judge takes the case like a freaking douchebag, typical narcissistic bastard. Instead of saying, y'all grow up. Yeah, this guy's got the ball. Guess what? Yeah. He gets to auction it and make the millions. Tough, titty, little kitty. Mm -hmm. The milk is still good. Looks still good. Right? Yep. Instead, he takes the case, okay? And mm -hmm. they litigate, right? It gets really expensive. Wasting money. They're hiring a team of lawyers. Uh, and just to make a long story short, they basically crap all over the simplicity of the game. And what happens, okay? The judge, rather than rule with, hey, look, this is the rules in the park. These are accepted rules and go with precedence. Mm -hmm. He creates this thing he calls a prepossessory interest. Oh, my gosh. He says, well, the guy with the glove that went up and had the ball, because he maintained possession of that ball for a certain amount of time, he created a prepossessory interest in that ball <laughs> and therefore deserves a part of the, you know, the, the proceeds that are going to come from auctioning this ball. What? And then they basically decide on a percentage that he should get off of this auction. Because he touched it. Because he, he held it for a moment. Because and, he touched it. Yes, basically. Right? So, well, what do the people who watched the home run go over the fence, what do they get? Uh, a pre-visual interest? I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you start... It's a slippery slope. That's right. I mean, I was sitting in the same section, so I was really, I was really close to standing there the moment before mm -hmm. and then went to get some nachos. That's right, yeah. So I had a prepossessory interest in that spot. That's right. So anyway, what becomes of this, and this is typical, this right here tells you that sometimes you get what you deserve, Yeah. is they made such a stink out of this case that when they went to auction it, it brought in the lowest amount of money that any one of those home loans did. It was like $300,000. I love well, it. Well, guess what? The legal fees were like 10 times that. <laughs> so they didn't make Hilarious. any money. Hilarious. And so this, this is what I learned in law school, was it's just like politics. It is politics. And depending on the money you have mm -hmm. and the power that you can bring to bear... The law system is totally different for the people at the bottom than it is at the top. Well, that's the thing. Anytime you play with it, you're going to get screwed. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Somebody's going to come out on top, but most people are going to get screwed. Yes. And the average person, there's a reason why they keep all the terms that came from other languages. Mm -hmm. It's so it, it makes it very difficult for you to understand. Latin. Yes. Well, there's, uh, there's French. Yeah. Uh, there's Latin. There's English. There's old like Anglo-Saxon English. Mm. There's all kinds of things in there. Well, unless unless you're very good at legalese, yeah. good luck navigating that system. It's like that saying that says uh, a person who represents themselves has a fool for a client. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why. Yep. So. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, politics, <laughs> law, uh, you know, these uh, 
television medical folks, uh, they're all right there together. Well, like I say, I, I'm, I understand we, we have to have we have to have a political system. I, we need to have a political system. I mean, it was you know to to allow to allow the the voter to determine who is the best candidate for whatever position uh, that, that's up for grabs, really. And within that political system, there's going to be things. And since the beginning of time, since the beginning of time, there have been backroom deals. There have been payments made under the table. Or bellies. Clandestine meetings in dark alleys. Yeah. There have been people who are, you know, you you only meet with uh only meet with somebody at thirty thousand feet in a private jet so that nobody can hear what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There have been people who've been killed, all this stuff. There's been all of these horrible things and these weird just not good things that have been done have been done since the beginning of time. Yeah. But here lately in the last twenty years or so, these things are being done right under our noses. Yeah. They're not even hiding it in a lot. That's what I'm saying. And they don't care because they think that we, you and I, well, they're probably right in the case of you and I. Most of me. Are too stupid to figure it out. Yeah. They think the American public is just too stupid to figure it out. And that's the thing that just drives me up the wall that I I don't understand. It's like this, you were talking about Fauci. The things that he says, they obviously think that the American public is too stupid to see through all the bull crap that that he spewed from the you know from the uh, from the pulpit standing right there by the president of the United States. What what makes you think that I'm that dumb mm-hmm. that that makes sense? You know. Well, speak, let's we're we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to bring up something specifically that's happening right now. I want to get your take on this. Okay. So we'll be right back. Yes, sir. 